All right, if you would, turn in your Bibles to the book of 2 Thessalonians. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, and we'll begin in verse 16. Now, I do want to make a comment here as we begin, that we're going to start in verse 16, we're going to look down through chapter 3 and verse 5, and it's important when we look at a passage like this to remind ourselves that the chapter and verse marking divisions in Scripture are not inspired, they're added by men. They're helpful. Imagine if I had to tell you, turn to the book of Second Thessalonians, and about two-thirds of the way, find the words, now our Lord Jesus Christ, and we'll wait a few minutes till everyone finds that particular line. So it is helpful to have those verse markings and the chapter divisions. But this evening, I'm going to take the liberty to not stay within those divisions. I'm going to take chapter 2, verses 16 and 17, and then the first five verses of chapter 3. So let's read those verses, beginning chapter 2, verse 16. Now our Lord Jesus Christ himself, and God, even our Father, which hath loved us, and hath given us everlasting consolation, and good hope through grace, comfort your hearts, and establish you in every good word and work. Then beginning chapter 3. Finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord may have free course and be glorified even as it is with you. And that we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men. For all men have not faith. But the Lord is faithful. Who shall establish you and keep you from evil? we have confidence in the Lord touching or concerning you, that ye both do and will do the things which we command you. And the Lord direct your hearts into the love of God and into the patient waiting for Christ. Let us pray before we look into this passage. Our dear Heavenly Father, we thank you once again for the word of God. We thank you for the book that we hold in front of us your word to us. We ask now that you'd guide us into truth, help us to understand your word, and then to apply your word to our lives. We ask these things in the name of your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. So, you may remember, approximately once a month, Sunday nights, we've been working our way slowly through the book of Second Thessalonians. And I've titled the series, Faithful Till He Comes. Thus far, this will be our fifth message out of the book, and I'm anticipating another two messages before we conclude the series. But let's just back up and see what Paul has said in this book up to this point. In chapter 1, he introduced himself, introduced the people he was writing to, And he gives us a little glimpse into what was going on in their lives. They were facing persecution. They were having hard times. And Paul is writing this letter to the church to encourage them 
to continue on. Even though there are hard times, to remain faithful, to keep going even when it's hard. And you know, we're not facing the same kind of physical persecution that they were facing. But we too can get tired. We can get weary. We can get worn out from serving the Lord. And I think the book of 2 Thessalonians is a good reminder to us that we have reason to keep going. Reason to remain faithful. So then in chapter 2, Paul really introduces what that reason is. And that reason that we have to be faithful is that we have glorious things to look forward to. We have a glorious future with our Lord Jesus Christ. And really, these were the verses we looked at four weeks ago. Verses 13 through 15. I want to just read them again. This is really the book of 2 Thessalonians in three verses. Verses 13 through 15. Apostle Paul writes, But we are bound to give thanks always to God for you, brethren beloved of the Lord, because God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the Spirit and belief of the truth. Whereunto he called you by our gospel to the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. And because of what he says, verses 13 and 14, and really what he said up to this point in the book of 2 Thessalonians, he says, because you have been chosen by God, because you have this glorious future to look forward to, he says that in verse 15, therefore, brethren, stand fast. Continue on. Remain faithful. Not because of anything you're doing, but because you have a future to look forward to. Therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions which ye have been taught, whether by word or our epistle. So Paul is encouraging these believers in Thessalonica to remain faithful till the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So then we come to our verses for this evening. And the natural question after a verse like verse 15, the command to be faithful, the natural response is, how? How do I continue on when it is so hard? When I'm facing difficult times, how do I persevere? How do I continue on? And that is the question that Paul answers in these verses. Now, when you look at the verses, this might not be immediately apparent. Because you look at the verses, and it looks like a very disjointed group of verses. Verses 16 and 17. Paul is expressing a desire, a wish, that God would comfort and establish these believers. Then in verses 1 and 2 of chapter 3, Paul is giving some prayer requests about the spread of the gospel. Then in verse 3, he states his confident, sorry, I'm jumping ahead to verse 4, but verse 3, 
he really gives them a promise that God is going to be faithful to establish you, to keep you from evil. In verse 4, he gives a statement of his confidence and their continued obedience. And then in verse 5, we have another wish, another desire. So this seems like a bunch, a number of disjointed statements. And the question is, how, how do all these tie together? And I've already told you, the, the way they tie together is all of these relate to how we are going to remain faithful. And I'm going to show you why that is. Part of it is, when we look at a verse, let, let's just look at verses 16 and 17 of chapter 2. We look at these verses that express a desire. And we wonder, how do we apply that to our lives? Paul says that he desires that God comfort and establish these believers. So what is the application for us from those verses? I can think of two possible ways you could take this. One, you could say, we need to have that kind of desire for other believers. Right? We need to have that kind of desire for other believers, that God would comfort them, would establish them. But as I study this, I... I always am looking for what did the biblical author, writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, what did the biblical author intend for us to get out of it? What did he intend the original recipients to get out of it? Did he intend for them to emulate his example? Well, there's, there's no mention of that. What he intends to communicate to them is that he has this desire for them. So again, we're left wondering, how do we apply that to our lives? Does Paul also desire that for us? And I think what we have to do is we have to back up and think about if Paul is desiring this for them, for these Thessalonian believers, then that means that this is something that Paul believes that they need in their lives. Is that fair? If Paul has this as a desire for them, then it seems that he believes that this is something that they need in their lives. Let me give you this example. I've used this before. But if I were to tell you, have a good day, I'm expressing my desire that your day be good. Well, what I am saying is that I think you need a day that's characterized by this vague quality of goodness, whatever I mean by it. I probably don't really mean much by it. It's more of a, just a goodbye. Or, Another statement that we might make, we might say, may the Lord bless you. Well, what I'm saying in making a statement like that is, I believe that you need the Lord's blessing in your life. I'm expressing my desire that you receive God's blessing 
And if I desire that you receive it, that means I think it's important. So, I, th- I think what we can say here is, Paul is saying that we need God's comfort and God's establishing in our lives. So, th- that's just a little glimpse of how I'm going to approach all of these verses and really when, when we back up from the way that Paul expressed it to why he expressed it it's easier to apply it to our lives because it's easier to say we need God's comfort in our lives and we can apply that to our lives we can agree with that that we need God's comfort in our lives that's easier to apply than to simply say we need someone to desire that we have God's comfort in our lives or or some other application like that so what I want to do this evening is I want us to look at these verses and to see in these verses that Paul tells us how we can be faithful till Jesus Christ comes. So I've titled this message, and we're off to a good start. This was all introduction. We're off to a really good start on the dollar per minute deal. Uh, the message might be shorter than the introduction, but... We're off to a good start anyways. So I'm titling this message, Resilience Requires Reliance. And what do I mean by that? Resilience, simply being able to keep going when it's hard. Continuing on, persevering, remaining faithful. To do that, we need Reliance. I put it this way. If we are to remain faithful, then it is required of us that we rely on the Lord. If we are going to be faithful, if we are going to persevere, if we are going to be resilient, then it is required of us that we rely So I want us to consider this evening four areas of our lives in which we must rely on the Lord. First area that we see is in verses 16 and 17, and that is that we must rely on the Lord to care for us. We must rely on the Lord to care for us. Look again at verses 16 and 17. Paul's writing, he says, Now our Lord Jesus Christ himself, and God even our Father, which hath loved us, and hath given us everlasting consolation, and good hope through grace, comfort your hearts, and establish you in every good word and work. I want you to just think about it. If you are doubting that God loves you, are you going to want to 
continue on serving Him. If you are not sure if God cares for you, if He has your best interest in mind, are you really going to be dedicated to following Him, to serving Him? I think the answer is no. So this, this is the first area of our life which we must rely on the Lord. We must rely on Him to care for us. But notice in verse 16 that the Lord has already proven that He cares for us. Talking about God the Father, and this is the way He identifies Him, which hath loved us. In the past, God loved us. Romans chapter 5, verse 8 tells us that God demonstrated His love to, toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God showed us His love in the past. If, if we're ever doubting whether it's really worth it, walk the Christian life. All we have to do is look back and see what Christ did for us. God showed us His love. But he goes on, he says, and hath given us everlasting consolation. Now this word consolation is actually related to the word comfort, the beginning of verse 17. And the basic idea of this word, maybe I should say the root idea of this word, is calling someone alongside yourself. So the idea is that God is calling us alongside of him. Now, I, I agree with the way the King James translators translated this, that this has to do with consolation, encouragement. But it is very much a relationship that God has called us into this relationship, this everlasting relationship of encouragement. And again, Paul states this in the past tense. God has certainly given us, even though it's future, it's, it's an everlasting relationship of comfort, this consolation. Even though it's everlasting, it is certain. Paul states it in the past tense. And then he mentions just heaping more good things on top of one another here and good hope through grace. Often, the Apostle Paul talks about hope, but as if hope wasn't good enough, he had to throw the word good on the beginning. We have a good hope, a good expectation to look forward to, and it is all through grace. And again, Paul's emphasizing something here. By using both the word, hath given us, and then through grace, he's really saying the same thing twice. That this is all because of God. God has given this to us. Nothing that we earned. So, verse 16, Paul tells us that the Lord has already proven that he cares for us. But then, what is Paul's wish for these believers? It's in verse 17. It is that God would comfort your hearts and establish you in every good word and work. Again, we have that word comfort. 
But this time, Paul gives it as a desire. So the idea is, God has already given you this everlasting consolation, this encouragement, comfort, forever. And you have that relationship forever. But Paul desires that God call you alongside him and encourage you and comfort you right now. We don't want this relationship to just be something that we enjoy in eternity, but something that we can enjoy right now. God desires to encourage us. That, that is a beautiful thought right there. God desires to comfort us. And he goes on and he says, and establish you. The idea is to strengthen you in every good word and work. So the Lord has already proven that he cares for us. And the Lord can continue to care for us. So the first area of our life in which we must rely on the Lord is that we must rely on the Lord to care for us. But let's consider a second area of our lives. And that is, we must rely on the Lord to reach others. We must rely on the Lord to reach others. Look at chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. Finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord may have free course and be glorified even as it is with you and that we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men for all men have not faith. So Paul here gives us two prayer requests. First, we must pray for God's word to have great effect. This is in verse 1. Pray for us. Pray for Paul and for his co-workers, Silvanus and Timothy, that the word of the Lord may have free course. The idea here is that it may be unhindered, that it might have the liberty to go and reach many people. And then he continues, and be glorified, even as it is with you. Back in chapter 1 of 2 Thessalonians, Paul spoke about the faith of these believers in Thessalonica and how Paul and Silvanus and Timothy were able to talk about the Thessalonians' faith to others and were able to boast about them. And here he's saying that the word of the Lord has been glorified in you the way that you have responded to the gospel message, that has glorified the word of the Lord. The change that people see in you, that has glorified the word of the Lord. And Paul is asking them to pray that that same change would, would be affected in the lives of others. So the first prayer request he gives here, we must pray for God's word to have great effect. A second, look in verse 2. We must pray for God's messengers to be protected. Verse 2 says, And that we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men, for all men have not faith. Now again, 
we don't have to, the, the concerns in our country as much for physical safety. I don't really think too much about it when I walk out to my truck, I drive home, I go in the house. I don't really think a lot about my safety. I, there, there, are, there can be times for concern, but we live in a relatively safe country. Compared to where they lived, compared to much of the world today, but still, we need to pray for the safety of God's messengers. Pray for our missionaries. They serve in some places that may be dangerous. Paul is commanding these believers to pray that they would be protected. Now, I don't really think that Paul's goal here is simply his own safety. Because Paul wasn't the kind of guy that seems overly concerned about safety. But I think Paul's reason for making this request is the same reason he made the first request. And that is so that the gospel would not be hindered. He wants this message to spread everywhere. And for a message to spread, there have to be messengers. So, first we've seen this evening, we must rely on the Lord to care for us. Second, we must rely on the Lord to reach others. Let's consider a third area of our life which we should rely on the Lord, and that is, we must rely on the Lord to keep His promises. Paul gives us quite a few promises in this little book. He promises that Jesus Christ will return, that we, well, back in 1 Thessalonians, he promises that we who are alive will be caught up to meet him in the air. But in this book, he promises that the Lord Jesus will destroy the man of lawlessness, who's referred to elsewhere as the Antichrist, and Paul even goes so far as to say that Jesus' mere breath will consume that man of lawlessness. But Paul makes a lot of promises. But if we begin to doubt that God keeps his promises, then we are not going to have the motivation to be faithful. And that, in some ways, that's ironic. If we don't believe that God is faithful, then we won't be faithful. We have to believe, which, if you want to, we're talking about the word faithful. Also, to be faithful means, requires that I have faith, that I trust that God is faithful. So we have to rely on the Lord to keep his promises. Because if earlier we talked about that we must rely on the Lord to care for us. So we have to we have to trust in his compassion, his love for us, 
But here we are talking about his integrity. We have to trust that he's going to be true to what he said. That he's going to accomplish his promises. Verse 3. Paul says, But the Lord is faithful, who shall establish you and keep you from evil. If we are going to remain faithful, we need to depend on the Lord's faithfulness. And what is it that the Lord has promised to do here? He will establish you. He will keep you from evil. Now, very interestingly, back in chapter 2, verse 17, Paul expressed this as a desire that God would establish or establish the believers. And then in chapter 3, in verse 3, he gives it as a promise that God will establish them. I think the key to understanding how one would be a desire, one would be a promise, is twofold. First, the promise is that God will, in other words, it's in the future, God will establish you. He will strengthen you. So, even if we resist the Lord's strengthening right now, the Lord will ultimately strengthen us. He will establish us. But I think there's another truth here, and that is that God is going to accomplish His will and His work in our lives. If we are His children, we can't escape His work in our lives. Over in the book of Philippians, Apostle Paul says that he is, I'm going to misquote it. Let me get it, go over there. It's Philippians 1 and verse 6, I believe. Being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. God has promised that he will do that work in our lives. And we have to trust him. We have to believe that he will be faithful to what he promised. And then he gives another promise here, and that is that he will keep you from evil. Now, that, that little statement right there is a hard one, because God doesn't keep us from all evil. Depending on whether we're talking moral evil, I mean, he doesn't keep us from sinning. We still have the ability to sin. He doesn't keep us from harm, so we still have that kind of evil to face. So, so what is Paul talking about here? Well, one, again, this is in the future tense, so maybe he's talking about, in the future, God will keep you from evil. But I wonder if Paul is referring here to a particular evil, and maybe even to particular evil person. Because this could also be translated from the evil one. And if that's what it's referring to, I'm wondering if this is referring back to what Paul talks about in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 about this man of lawlessness. 
And God is promising that he will keep us from that evil one. But regardless, God has made this promise that he will keep us from evil. And the, the important point here is that what God has promised, we must believe. We must trust that God will be faithful to what he's promised. And if we believe that God will protect us, we believe that God will continue his work in our lives, then we'll have reason to continue to persevere. We'll have reason to remain resilient. But we must rely on the Lord to keep his promises. Let us consider fourth and final area of our life which we must depend on the Lord and that is we must rely on the Lord to enable us to live for him. Look at verses 4 and 5 with me. And we have confidence in the Lord touching or concerning you that ye both do and will do the things which we command you. And the Lord direct your hearts into the love of God and into the patient waiting for Christ. So in verse 4, we see that God can enable us to obey the word of God. Paul expresses confidence in the fact that these believers are going to obey. Not only that they are going to obey, but they are currently obeying the things that Paul had commanded them. But the key words in this verse, I believe, are those three words in the Lord. We have confidence in the Lord. Paul's confidence was not in the, in the believers in Thessalonica. His confidence was in the Lord. Again, that the Lord would continue his work in their lives and would enable them to live for the Lord, to obey what God has commanded. So then in verse 5, beginning of verse 5, we see that God can enable us to love the Lord. Verse 5, And the Lord direct your hearts into the love of God. Now, that little phrase there, the love of God, could mean one of two things. It could mean the love that we have for God, or it could mean the love that God has for us. But I think the context here is pretty clear that this is the love that we have for God. And that seems to be made even clearer by the next statement and into the patient waiting for Christ. We are the ones who are waiting, who are persevering until Christ comes. It's not so much that he is the one that is waiting or persevering. So God can enable us to love the Lord. And in the last phrase of the verse, he can enable us to persevere until Christ comes. So my challenge for you this evening and for myself is are we relying on the Lord? Are we depending on him 
for his care for us, for reaching out to others, for his continued faithfulness to what he has promised, and for his enabling us to live for him. Because we cannot do it in our own strength. We need him. We need to rely on him. As I said earlier, resilience requires reliance. So, as we look at the book of 2 Thessalonians, and we see, really, from this point on, beginning in verse 6 of 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, Paul gets very specific about how, maybe I should say, what to be faithful in. But he prefaces it. He begins by telling us how we can be faithful, that we need to depend on the Lord. We cannot do this in our own strength. This isn't about us persevering. This is about the Lord enabling us to persevere. So may the Lord help us to rely.